Hi, Steven. It's really nice to see you. And, and I really want to thank you for having you because I want to start by sharing with everybody why I contact you and why I want to share your story with Successfully. When I find you, so as some people know, I have a fashion brand. And uh, it's been a struggle for me to actually get it started. You know, it's, uh, I didn't have the background and years and experience in the fashion industry. So I was looking online and I knew I needed help. And then I found an article about you. And that's where I saw the, your story, your experience, how you help company and a lot of startups. So you're a fashion business developer that helped a lot of companies succeed. So when I found your article, I look at the email, I was like, I need to contact this man. And you responded immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always respond as quickly as I can. <laughs> which, which was great. I, I had to contact a lot of people, obviously, in, in line with the work I do. And um, I, you know, it's very nice when you do get, I, I think it's very nice when you get a contact, uh, a response within sort of 24 hours. Um, but I actually had one situation where um, I was contacting a very large retailer on behalf of a, a large um, Vietnamese um, retail partner who wanted to take that retailer into Vietnam. And I contacted them and uh, I got a response two years later. <laughs> and it, it started, uh, sorry, sorry for the late reply. So. <laughs> We've been a little busy. <laughs> Nothing ever shocked me in this business, but uh, that, that the, the extreme things that happen, you always remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know I apply at jobs before that. I will get a reply a year later. Sorry, you, you don't fit <laughs> the yeah. position. Like, thank God I wasn't waiting. <laughs> well... Well, I wanted to share with you, I did a little display of fashion just kind of to set the mood. <laughs> yeah, very um, nice, very yeah, nice. Yeah, so I collect I fashion illustrators. So you got well, some. I only moved in here uh, about seven months ago, so I've got a few pictures there, but the wall will slowly get covered. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I want to say a little bit of introduction to everybody. So you're a fashion business developer. You're a fa the founder of Fashion Compass, which... I love the name because you really guide companies towards the right direction. <laughs> Very yeah, that's, well. That's always been uh, a, a bit of a slogan, but uh, yes, I, um, I mean, my main area, I work with brands and, and retailers um, to find them partners, agents, distributors, and retail partners in, in new markets. And um, so Fashion Compass was, was quite an obvious name back. 10 years ago or 11 years ago when I, when I started it. And you started as an entrepreneur since really, really young, correct? Yes. <laughs> well, my, my father had a, a cash and carry and he sort of bought and sold almost anything from cutlery to, to, to games, toys, a bit of clothing. And um, I remember we had a chess craze and then a yo-yo craze at school. And he happened to have some of the things in, but the area he was in, there were other cash and carries, so I sometimes bought theirs. Um, and, and then, you know, all of a sudden, uh, everybody started wanting white socks, and I got some white socks, and the next minute, uh, there were sort of mothers waiting at the... Uh, <laughs> 
giving me orders. Can you get me this? Can you get me that? And uh, after about, or I would say after about eight months, the uh, it got very busy. And then the the headmaster called me into his office and said, uh, you know, I, I I couldn't do it anymore. And um, he said, he said, what if what if all the boys did it? Uh, he said that it would turn the whole whole outside school into a marketplace. So I, I bowed my head and said, uh, "Thank you." So, <laughs> You're like, okay, I'll I'll stay quiet. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but you had a early signs of the ambition and the drive of an entrepreneur, which is led led you to where you are today. Yeah, well, it it. it I don't think I think when people are making brands and in today's world as well, you kind of you actually miss the aspect that what you're really doing is is buying something and selling it, and the the buzz that you get whether you're buying it for fifty dollars and selling it for sixty or eighty or a hundred, I mean, when you've actually done that, it's it's a real buzz, um, and I, I kind of slightly miss that in in. The work I do today because mine is more of a service. I'm selling my services, not a, not an actual, uh, you know, sort of um, not a product that I'm, I'm buying and negotiating for. So um, yeah, I, I kind of miss that, but uh, yeah, I, I I've kind of always always been in that area. Well, that's exactly why uh, I wanted to talk to you and share because you say that oh, you're offering services and consulting, but it's not accessible to find someone like you and uh, to help startups. And I don't want to take away from your accomplishment. I'd like to bring them up and mention how you have helped companies with the grow, scale, connect with distributors, uh, agencies from all over the world, like marketing, UK, United States, Asia, Australia, all over Europe. And you help the brands uh, with brand development, wholesale, retail, e-commerce, buy-in, sales, marketing. So all aspects, you, con you provide the strategy. So services, it might sound simple, but it's a big deal because there's so many people like startups like me or even large companies that need that. They need your help. Yes, I mean, um, I, I, as I said, I've been doing this now for sort of near, nearly 11 years. And um, the, one of the beauties is that um, most brands, however big, however small, um, you know, there's, it's almost like a starting gun goes off at the start of the season and they're head down, buried in their work for sort of three, four months. And then they sort of bring their head up, you know, see where they are. Um, but when, when companies work with me, they know there's somebody consistently looking at new markets and, and new opportunities for, for their business. Um, I've worked with all sorts of brands from startups right through to brands owned by large conglomerates um, where they need um, uh, retail partners to enter new markets or, or they need uh, agents, uh, sales agents, uh, sales distribution, uh, brands in Australia, if they're coming into Europe, they're going to need at least one uh, distributor that can import the goods uh, for them and, and handle the duties and distribution to the logistics side of it, um, as well as you know having a sales agency. So with the agents, um, distributors are basically um, agents that they buy the goods and agents sell the goods and work on a commission basis. And 
to bring a point uh, to the services and all the experience you had, um, the next question would be, how do you get into fashion? Because there's a lot of people that will need your services, but there also will be people that, I want to do what you do. Like, how, how did you start it? How did you get into the fashion industry? Um, well, into the fashion industry, I, as I said, I was, I was more or less sort of doing a bit of it at school. Um, and, and then when I left school, um, I, well, I, I did um, an unofficial apprenticeship uh, with a chain of boutiques. And I said to the owner, you know, I just want to learn. And he, he sort of threw me into the warehouse for eight weeks. He, he threw me into uh, yeah, every weekend I was working in one of the stores. Um, then, then when the area managers went on holiday, I would cover for them for four weeks. And, you know, I really got thrown in at the deep end, but it was such a learning curve, uh, not, not just learning you know, things about what's going on, um, but it, it was, you know, it gave me a lot of confidence as well, because every time you threw me in, I said, oh, crikey, you know, what am I doing here? Uh, but, so, you know, within a couple of days, you sort of, you know, you, you get into it, you learn from other people. And, um, yeah, it was a really great experience for, for two years for me. Um, and then um, I went uh, with, with, with my sister, we, we started uh, clothing, and we opened um, three, what we call in the UK uh, concessions that uh, most, mostly known as shopping shops, um, just as a test. And within sort of three years, uh, I had 400 concessions within, uh, which was then the Burton Group, uh, now Arcadia Group, with Jane's Topshop, Dorothy Perkins, uh, and, and we had uh, 400 of those going. Plus, I was supplying around, you know, thousands of independent, uh, what you call speciality stores in, in Europe, um, through agents, through distributors. And yeah, we built up a, a very, very good uh, clothing business right through to really till 2000. Um, and then things started to change, independence uh, with, with either closing or getting pushed to less busy football areas, etc. And um, yeah, that later into 2005 is when I thought um, I, I need to kind of reinvent myself. Um, and that's when I, I sort of considered Fashion Compass um, and helping. Initially, it was to help foreign brands to come into the UK. Uh, and then suddenly I was dragged into by, by a, a very old uh, connection uh, who, who had also kind of moved into a different area. And he was taking large Italian brands like Versace and uh, uh, Gucci, the, the Miss 60. Uh, he was taking those brands into India and working for the large Indian um, uh, retail partners. And he suddenly phoned me up and said, look, do you want to get involved in this? Because they're interested in the British brands and, and other brands that you may know. And I just thought, oh, this, this sounds really good. Um, I didn't really have a business plan. Uh, I, I sort of just thought to myself, this this sounds good, um, but uh, yeah, it was it's, it's been quite a long journey, um, worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so why worth it? Why fashion is worth it to you? Um, <clears throat> now I, I I basically it's something I know, it's something I'm familiar with. Um, I went out of the uh, fashion industry. Uh, sort of twice for, for a year 
and partly the first time was I, I felt I, I didn't like it anymore and uh, I, I tried something else for a year and then when I came back into it I, I sort of accepted it more and um, I said to you earlier um, you know the, the, the Prophet Muhammad says uh, you can't truly love anything until you've re rejected it at least once and he was referring to religion um, but I really understood what he meant is you know a lot of us we get fed up with our job or fed up with the town we're in or or something like that and we, we go somewhere else and then we kind of when we come back uh, we realize nothing's perfect you know and we accept it for, for what it is and um, and then when you, you kind of accept that and you know it and I feel like I know the fashion business and I don't mean that as in I'm, I know everything about it. But, um, you know, I, I feel confident that, uh, you know, it's, it's going to supply me with a good living and um, I can give it a good, uh, good service at the end of the day. And it's natural to you. You've been doing it for so long. You know it from the back to the front, the beginning and end, you know all the areas. So it's natural to you. And it's a very desirable industry. So many people want to get in. And then and actually, you're very fortunate to this came kind of natural to you from an early age. Yes, it did. Um, it, 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 you know, there's, I won't say I know everything about it, but I think over the years where I've been lucky is I think more or less I've been exposed in many, many different areas, um, be it the luxury end, premium, commercial end, retail, wholesale. Majority has been wholesale. Um, some of it's been e-commerce. Uh, I've, I've had my, I've had a couple of shops back in the day. You know, so I, I've, I've touched on a lot of it, but equally I've specialised. Um, in over the years i've always been specialized in certain things but because i've had such an overview of it um i've you know uh, especially with, with, with startups and, and even very large companies you know we all sit there and I, i'm looking at the department stores uh, in the uk at the moment which are sort of all struggling uh, closing stores one's gone into liquidation and and these sort of things and and you know i've been not, not that they've listened and anything that I've been saying for years, you know, they are doing nothing to, to reach out to the next generation. And, you know, if you walk down the, the high street in, in the UK, and I, I think in, in, many, in many countries, you know, it's the same names of, that are there that were there 20 years ago, uh, 30 years ago, in, in many cases. But uh, that, that's, um, you know, uh, an area where um, I, I would like to work more really with, the, with these bigger stores because I, I don't think they're looking in the right places. Um, much of it is, is being managed by the, the venture capitalists and the, the accountants. And I don't know any accountants that started a fashion business, but I know plenty of them that finished them off. <laughs> <laughs> they take care of the numbers. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. Do. Um, <laughs> But I think, yeah, I always remember when Volkswagen had the, the accountant was, was head of uh, Volkswagen for, for many years and they didn't do too well. And then when they, the, they made the head designer, the CEO, all of a sudden, you know, um, the cars 
were much nicer. People were buying a lot more of them. So I think uh, I think at the moment in in a lot of retail, as soon as the as the, the money side of it takes control, the customer starts to lose out, and then the customer goes somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's got to be that emotional connection for the customer. Yes. <laughs> Do you have any preference on retail or e-commerce or startups or establishment? Uh, work, working, I, I, I enjoy working with all, with all aspects. I think it's more about the, the people I'm working with, bottom line. You know, if I'm working with somebody who's a, a, a pure startup and, and you know, they're full of energy and that you can really sense that there's a, a drive in them, um, and then, you know, equally, um, I'm, you know, I'm working uh, with, with quite a large e-commerce project at the moment, um, where, uh, you know, it's it's very different to to working with a startup. But it, it's really the people that the three guys that are starting this e-commerce company are, you know, they're just such nice people. Um, and I've always, you know, I remember reading. Many years ago, you know, a good brand is a relationship between the owner and its consumer. And what I find is, you know, when you get an owner who's uh, really, really nice and everything, it's it's very much about getting that character into the product or the shop or the website, whatever they're doing, as much as all the other stuff as well. Got it. And people always make all the difference, you know. No matter where you're working, it's just that relationship. It's that makes it even a greater experience to work with someone. Yes, yes, very much so. Um, I mean, the I, I've been very lucky in, in the, the variation of, of brands and companies that I've worked for. I've worked for uh, large Chinese retailers to to help them enter um, the Middle East. I've worked with uh, Australian brands to come into Europe and the US. I've worked with US brands and put them into China and Europe and uh, and everything. And you know that some of them are footwear, some of them are um, accessories, and and these. And, and one of the beauties that that I enjoy most is, um, as well as targeting certain markets for the brand. You know, I speak to the brand and we decide which markets are best for them and which markets they have in mind. Um, and sometimes, you know, maybe through LinkedIn, I'll just do a posting that this brand is looking for partners or agents. Uh, and suddenly um, we, we get a response from somebody in, uh, in, in South Africa or something, who, you know, a country we'd never even thought of. Um, just really through, you know, um, you could call it luck, but equally, uh, it's, you know, it, it, I've, I've got a lot of contacts on LinkedIn, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, LinkedIn is a spot in social media. I mean, it looks very subtle, but like everybody's going on Instagram, but LinkedIn is the one that's making more profit. <laughs> yeah, I, yes, they, they do. Um, I, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't pay them any of it. Yeah, <laughs> most of us don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a retreat, but they, they earn the money. There we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So when you started your business, Fashion Compass, what was like the biggest challenges that you remember? Like you, you have your business, now you're on your own. Well, you've been on your own for a while, but this is your business. What challenges you had? 
but you remember it, it was very different because I was very much on my own before I always had a company you know my sister was my partner we employed people and, and everything else this was very much me at a desk with a laptop uh starting fresh you know um and not having total belief in what uh, that I could do that I set out but I said to myself you know it's not rocket science it's really about using the contacts I've got and building more and more and um, you know more contacts with agents distributors more contacts with brands and the biggest challenge I had uh, as I said the, the friend contacted me regarding brands to India and I had been thinking and I'd started uh, by that time I'd started talking to brands who wanted to come into the UK and, and the biggest uh, challenge I had was uh, within three months of deciding I'm going to do this um, I was in talks with a very large UK brand uh, and I had a, a, a 50,000 intro fee being discussed and, and everything um, and suddenly the downturn came uh, that was around October 2008 if I remember correctly mm -hmm. um, and you know all of a sudden the the brand we were talking to backed out because they everybody just battened down the hatches at home and protect what you have and don't look for growth and here's me starting a business which was very much so you know, sort of 70% of it was about uh, international trade so I sort of sat down to myself and I said look you are not going to earn a penny over the next six to eight months doing international trade so i thought well i'll focus totally on building my contacts up um, i actually went and got a job in a warehouse just to keep my sanity and a few decals coming in at the same time and uh yeah it was a very challenging time and even even the first two years you know this you never knew where the next job was coming from um i didn't have clear references to show people um i was spending a lot of time trying to sell my services and then going to meetings for, you know and then uh, you know it, it took me really it took me sort of four to five years before i got a rhythm and i think with most businesses you find a rhythm of doing something once you find that you can tweak it you can build on it but You've, you've always got that rhythm and it, you know you've got work coming in and because there's, there's, there's nothing worse than uh, you know suddenly looking at the next two months and thinking where's my next customer coming from or, or that yeah. sort of thing yeah it's just stressful <laughs> well fortunately now it, it's very self-generating uh, loads of references and you know it, it, it's easier um, to get work but it's still very challenging because every brand every designer every retailer i speak to is very very different so um it, it's almost you know i, I always draw lines sort of like i'm starting again whenever I, I work with a new client that is what's fascinating about fashion and depending there your the startup company region it's also the style right like i can i can kind of see that wherever designer is maybe in the united states or maybe in europe probably the style and the target market is completely different well what one of the first things you know no matter how small or big the brand is when i first worked with them um, I work on, on their presentation. If, if we're going after distributors in new markets, um, 
quite often, yeah, especially with designers, they, they contact me and they say, and they, whoever they contact, they say, here's my Instagram, here's my Facebook, here's my website, here's my lookbooks, here's my line sheets. And they're giving that person a 20 minute job just to, you know, as, as an introduction of themselves. So, um, and even with, with large retailers, you know, they, they're sending their whole brand profile over. And what I do is I condense it. I, the way I look at it is, you know, when you, when you send your CV to get a job, you're not sending it to get the job, you're sending it to get the interview. So, what, and you, you know, with a CV, you just give them an outline enough to judge whether they want to see you or not. So that's what I, I do with a brand in the beginning. And um, if they're startups, quite often there's there's quite a lot of brand work to do. And um, if they're more advanced, their branding is good, but the presentation and the way we're contacting and reaching out, because you know, if, if I, I get contacted by brands and you know you, you you're sitting there in the morning having your coffee, you you, you, you open your emails on your phone and, and you see so I'm picturing an agent doing the same thing who's received the an email from a brand, um, you know, and if, if you've got one PDF with like eight eight pages with some product, with some press, with some where the brand is, what it's about, very clear, so that they can understand that in 30 to 40 seconds. Then they can reply, yes, I'm interested, please send me the line sheet, etc. Um, you know, if, even with large companies, I, I still, that that is a very important part process that I work with. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so as an entrepreneur, what do you think are your biggest accomplishments that you're proud of? Um, well, I can't mention any names because of NDAs and, and things like that. But uh, around four years ago, um, I was putting a, a very large UK retail brand together with a very large uh, um, Hong Kong based but uh, greater China uh, operator who were taking brands in and making stores um, and they 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 were interested and I was talking to the, the, the head of the brand and the head of the uh, Chinese company and, and I just said guys look um, but both the owners of these companies were very high profile figures and I said guys look why don't you just get your owners together um, and I actually played a part in, in, you know, he's, I think he's one of the UK's wealthiest guys. And I know that the Chinese guy was the, the second richest in China at the time. And, um, I, I was working with their secretaries so that they could arrange to meet on the, on the tarmac of an airport somewhere that they were both going to be at and have a meeting on their private jet. Um, it was very exciting. I was very proud of myself because I, I just had a little moment where I thought, wow, there's not many people that have done this or, or could actually have or actually set up to do it. And the deal never actually came off, but they did meet and I'd done my bit. Um, so, yeah, I was very proud of that. Yeah. That's a big deal. That's not an easy thing to do. <laughs> yeah, it is. But uh, equally, you know, I've had some... some um, I've worked with some very, very nice brands. One, one of my first um, successes coming out of that downturn, um, I worked for a very big uh, German brand called Strelson, uh, who, who do lovely menswear. Um, the people that own it, it um, 
some time ago owned Hugo Boss, um, and they wanted me to get them some agents. So the first, and the first one I got them was a, a UK distributor, um, very very established distributor, um, and they they that that was my first real um, introduction, um, and uh, it, it was very meaningful for me because it warranted everything I've been striving to do. It really it wasn't about the money. It wasn't about anything. It was like, you know, I've put that brand with that um, distributor and they're now coming into the UK and it, it warranted everything I've been working on. And you made that happen. Yeah, that's amazing. Yes. <laughs> so how do you see yourself now uh, helping clients successfully? Um, yeah, well, if, they, if they're looking, I think initially, whatever they're doing, whether they're a startup or a large retailer or you know, a brand, it could be a big brand in the US who are looking to looking outwards now at new markets. Um, it's worth um, getting in touch with me. I do a, a kind of one to two hour Skype call with them and really get to grips with what they're doing. I charge a very small fee for that, which I refund if they take my service. Um, and, and really just go through things because whatever they're looking to do, I, I, I don't think anybody who I've done that call with and I've done well over 200 now, nobody's ever sort of said, oh, that, that was a waste of time. Um, so as a first step, you know, reach out. Um, secondly, um, you know, whether if you're starting a new brand, I can save you a lot of uh, money and time and effort in um, you know not making certain mistakes or going down wrong avenues and uh, you know i meet a lot of startups who within six months their sales are not going too well so they suddenly start thinking because they've seen an advert from the government or whatever all oh, my goods might sell well in japan and these sort of things and all of a sudden they're going they're looking at japan instead of looking at their domestic market you know, you must be strong in the domestic market. There's hardly any brands that are, you know, good in, in two or three countries unless they're strong at home. Um, one of the first things an agent or distributor will look at is how strong is this brand at home? Because if they're not strong at home, why should they be strong here? So we run through all these things. With, with larger brands, um, some of them, you know, depending where they're from, um, a lot of US brands, for example, um, the, the larger ones, they kind of think, well, we're doing 100 million in, in, in the US um, and we've got a sort of 250 million population. Therefore, in the UK that has a 60 million population, we should be doing around 10 million. You know, they, they kind of calculate that in their heads, which is fair enough. But with most of them, if they're a sort of wholesale brand, they're going to be lucky to do twenty to thirty thousand in the first season. So you have to kind of really bring. It's not so much bring down expectations, but they are an unknown brand in that country, despite the fact they're doing hundred million, and, and that can create quite a big ego for the company. We're big, we're strong. Or even if they're doing ten million, you know, we're big, we're strong. We've got lots of customers, and everyone's coming in telling them what fantastic collection they've got. Unless they're opening stores, that, that's a different case. But if they're looking to work with agents and distributors, 
the key thing is, is you know, in that first few seasons, is which stores they go in. Because if you, if they get into the best stores, then all the other stores are watching those stores. You know, what what new brands are they getting? So very quickly, you can go from the sort of thirty thousand to two fifteen thousand within three or four seasons. Then maybe open a shopping shop or something like that as well, and and then it, it builds. But um, what I find most of all is is when brands kind of expect big figures, they don't get them in the first couple of seasons. They start getting down the agent's throat and blaming the agent. Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing that? And it, the good thing having a third party, uh, someone like me, is I can actually tell them before they enter the that this is what you're likely to do. Um, and also, you know, if a year down the road, maybe I haven't, once I've done the introduction, maybe a year down the road, the brand contacts me and say, all the things I'm going to plan. And, and I, I will usually speak to them and say, look, you know, you need to have a bit more patience. Um, it, it really depends on what business they have done and what, what they're not doing. It, it, it can be, I, I try and take them, if you're entering a new market, I try and normally I'm dealing with high ranking or the owner. I try and take them back to when they started their business in their country, what a struggle it was. It's not too different entering a new market some, sometimes. They, yeah. uh, the, the more, the more, if their mindset is in that, we're gonna make this work, it's, far more likely to make it work than saying in a mindset, the agent's going to make it work. That's why strategy is so important, uh, especially because the fashion industry is so expensive and very quickly money can just disappear. You're just investing, investing and no money coming in. And yeah. uh, that's why like, I'll, I'll speak from my experience with you, like me being a startup, a little designer, like I'm not a big name or, or have the funds to go all over and produce. Yes. Having that conversation with you after being a few years struggling, I thought, you know what, I need to stop and think, what am I doing? I just, instead of following what everybody's telling me, go this, do that, I needed like the brains to really think about what do I, am I trying to accomplish? So that's why by even just having a simple consultation, it's good to just get a sense of what am I trying to accomplish? How am I gonna get there? And work with somebody that has the contacts and experience and knowledge. So that's what I saw that with you with successfully, there's tons of designers I know that they're gonna wanna talk to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I said, you know, department stores are not in the business of establishing new designers, new brands. Their space is so expensive when they put a brand there, it's it's got to be pretty well known to, to pay for that space. And it's a bit of a catch-22. And they don't really have the marketing skills or the, the, the be-all and end-all to, to put an unknown brand there, no matter how big the product is, and, and make itself kind of thing, generally. Um, so, you know, you've got to work with speciality stores, or as we call them, independents, first and foremost, and, and quite often, as I said earlier, people, if they're not making headway within six months, they start looking at, oh, you know, Scandinavia would be good for my product, or, you know, the European, the US would be better, or here would be better. 
But I usually do take them back to their local um, area, get working, go and talk to some stores, you know, show them the product, get working locally. If you get into a store, speak to the owner, can we do a wine evening, invite your customer? You know, starting small. And even with, with large retailers now, um, you know, don't come into a market um, with, a, with a big fanfare and all, all the fireworks and a hoi polloi kind of thing. It's much better to come in small, open small, start, get a feel for it, get your logistics working, get your staff happy. Um, you know, acting small but thinking big, really. It's, it, it's, it, it's a common saying, but it's not practiced enough. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's a pretty common mistake. <laughs> uh, well, I really enjoyed chatting with you and getting a little more detail about your experience and, and you. all your knowledge. And I am happy to share with everybody. I think you can bring so much value to successfully and uh, just in general, anybody that's looking the passion about fashion. So thank you. I'm happy to have you on board as far as successfully. <laughs> thank you, it's a pleasure to be on board. It really is. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. Uh,